Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. into uh, God's Word, I want to just again say thank you to everyone that helped with the event yesterday, Falling for Babies. Uh, special thanks to Meredith Moses and the Anchored Women's Group who helped put that together. And to give you a little more background on what, what really went on there with that and its, its purpose was... Um, earlier this year, uh, before the uh, decision on Roe versus Wade happened, many of you probably remember several churches, about 20 churches or more uh, in Knox County came together here at FBC, probably 500 people plus, uh, to go up to our courthouse square and, and pray about this thing. And it was through that two-hour-long prayer meeting that a vision was birthed in several folks' hearts throughout the community um, for a Barberville Pregnancy Care Center because we have nothing like that in Barberville to support women, babies, and families. And so the Barberville Pregnancy Care Center came out of that, and yesterday's event, thank God, helped raise well over $1,500 to get this thing off the ground. So... We're very thankful uh, for what God's doing through that, that up-and-coming ministry. All right, if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. And for the past two weeks, we've been in 1 Corinthians. Sometimes we call it Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, but that's a little misleading. Let me give you a little history on Corinthians, okay? We know that Paul wrote at least one letter to the Corinthians prior to writing what we call 1 Corinthians. And then there's some time that passes between him writing 1 Corinthians and then him writing 2 Corinthians, probably a good year or so. And it's during this time that Paul's instructions to the church in 1 Corinthians were kind of disregarded. They didn't take it completely to heart. Imagine that. And so Paul rushes back to Corinth. This is the, the history part. We know he goes back to Corinth and he tries his best to fix some things in this church that has these problems. And after that, he moves on to Ephesus and some other places. And he writes yet another letter to the Corinthian church. That we Again, another letter we do not have, but we, we, he's, it's referenced. And so we know he writes what we might call 3 Corinthians at this point to that church. And... It really seems like in this letter, he tears into the church pretty hard. I mean, I think they needed it, but I think Paul was kind of at his wit's end with this church. And so it's then that Paul goes through a very difficult season. And if you study the life of Paul as a missionary, as a minister, it's just fascinating how real this man is. I love the Apostle Paul. And he goes through a very difficult time. And some of those other churches, like the one in Corinth, they're having problems too. There are people that are turning on the Apostle Paul. They're trying to just destroy him. Uh, not necessarily that he's in the wrong, but they, you know, people are people. And so he's got all 
this stress on him. People don't like his authority. They don't like him pushing them in a godly direction and confronting their sin. And so he has all this going on inside the churches. And then he has all these issues outside the churches. People threatening his life. People whipping the tar out of him. Stoning him. Beating him. To the point that he's just not even sure he's going to survive much longer. That's how bad it gets. And if you can imagine, just imagine how stressed this man is through all of this. Everywhere he goes, it's a problem. And it's not necessarily his fault. And so Paul gets to the point, and if you can imagine this, the apostle Paul finds it difficult to even share the gospel effectively with people for a season because he has all this weight on him and the state of mind that he's in. But then, in the middle of all this, a man by the name of Titus shows up. And Titus brings good news from Corinth to the Apostle Paul. And so Paul sits down one more time to write the letter of 2 Corinthians. Uh, once again, in, in the tone of the first part of 2 Corinthians, it's, it's quite different than that of 1 Corinthians. And so in the opening chapter, Paul begins to open up just a little bit with the church about his own personal experiences and the difficulties that he's endured for the sake of the gospel. And he talks about how the God of all comfort has taken care of him through all of this, through thick and thin. And as we go through this passage this morning, and as we talk about that right there, the God of comfort, the God of all comfort, my prayer this morning is that you, wherever you're at in life, that you'd be comforted and encouraged in some way because everybody's gone through something, right? Or you're going through something. Or guess what? Not to put a. It, it, you're going to. It's just going to happen. That's life. But thankfully, and this is where we are, thankfully, we have a God in heaven who cares about us, who is here with us this morning, a God that will go through any storm with us. That life may throw our way. Look at, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's start in verse 3. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in, our, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we're afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and He will deliver us. We have put our hope in Him that He will deliver us again while you join in helping us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gift that came to us through the prayers of many. Now Paul will write elsewhere about the many reasons to have hope, the many reasons that we should be comforted. And sometimes he refers to 
the fact that Christ is coming back, right? That was the blessed hope that the church looked forward to in this future resurrection. And even uh, being with other believers in the Lord forever, that's something to, to find hope in and, and comfort. Uh, but in this passage, there are four things that Paul gets into. It's a little bit different. Four reasons to be comforted this morning. And the first is that God comforts us as a father. And Paul begins, he really lays the foundation for what he's saying there in verse 3 when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he calls God the Father of all mercies and the God of comfort, of all comfort. Now we think about God being merciful. Uh, and when we do, we tend to think about God not giving us the punishment that we deserve, right? And God is in fact merciful that way. Um, but that concept of mercy... Certainly that's part of God being a merciful Father, not giving us the whipping that we deserve or smiting us for our sin. That's part of it. But the Greek word that Paul uses for mercy also carries the idea of what we might call compassion or even pity. God looks at us and He says, they're poor, pitiful people sometimes, right? And thankfully He does. But He has pity or, or great compassion on us. And that compassion of the Heavenly Father, if you want a picture of that, I think it's best seen back in the Gospels on numerous occasions when the, the Gospels show Jesus looking out at people, just everyday, ordinary, undeserving people. And the Bible says that He had compassion on these crowds. He loved them. He was moved in His heart for them and had mercy on them. And then He provides not just what they don't deserve but what they desperately need in that moment. Likewise, the Heavenly Father is full of compassion and mercy. Joel, the prophet, says, God our Father is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. We sing about God being a good, good Father. He is, but He's so much more than that. He's a perfect Father. And I understand that for many folks, when you start talking about God being a good, good Father, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes because our earthly fathers haven't always been so good. And it's hard for us to wrap our mind around God being this perfect Father. But the Bible teaches that's exactly what our Heavenly Father is. That there's, there's nothing evil in Him. That He's completely good. The Bible teaches that He's not only steadfast in His love, but He's also steadfast in His character. That He's, he's holy and He's unchanging. That He's completely wise. And so we can trust Him. We can, we can rely on our Heavenly Father to know what's best for us even when we don't know. And the Apostle Paul would go on to say, he would say this, isn't this just beautiful, these words? He says, comes to this moment of praise in his writing. He just says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He says, how unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. He's also a faithful father. A faithful father who keeps his word. When God, our father, says, hey, son, hey, daughter, I'm going to be there. He's going to be there. He, he's a present father. He's a holy father. And he's our ever-present help in our time of need. And you say, well, where is God, my heavenly father, in the middle of this mess that I find myself in? Where is God in the middle of all of my hurt and all of my pain and all of this chaos that I've got going on in my life? Well, the Bible paints this picture of our Heavenly Father, if you wonder where He is or how far away He may be. The Bible paints this picture of our Heavenly Father just, just being there in our deepest, darkest moment, literally wiping the tears away from our eyes. So I know that our Heavenly Father is always at least close enough to reach out and wipe away those tears. 
He's the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Secondly, as encouraging as that is, it's for a reason. And the second thing that Paul teaches us is that God comforts us so that we may comfort others. It's not just for us. As good as it is, he, and God the Father gives us both the example of this and the ability when it comes to comforting other people. So Paul says he comforts us so we can comfort these others, that this comfort comes from our Heavenly Father. And in a sense, as God pours this comfort and this strength and this peace and this love into our lives, it kind of overflows into the lives of those around us who are going through similar situations. But Paul takes it a step further. And I want you to notice, this is not a man who's just up on his high horse talking down his nose to people saying, you know, this is how you're supposed to be. Paul's got a little street cred. He's, he's been there. Remember that he's endured many, many problems at this point. Actually, later in this same letter, Paul's going to remind them. Let me read it for you. He says, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Now, I won't talk about my mom whipping me too much when I was little, but one or two lashes was enough, right? I mean, 40 lashes five times is pretty extreme. Then he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. He says, there's this daily pressure on me, which is my concern for all the churches. He says, but not only can we comfort you, he says, but if I'm afflicted, if I myself have been persecuted, if I'm hurting, if I'm suffering, and I'm going through all this stuff, he says, it's for you. It's for you guys. It's for your comfort. It's for your salvation that I'm enduring all this stuff. In other words, Paul would say, I can count it all joy. That I'm going through all this stuff in the middle of my affliction because I know it's going to allow me to minister to you better. So what Paul's getting at, folks, is there comes a time when you've gone through something difficult. And I know some of us have gone through some just unimaginably difficult situations. But there comes a time when you face this hardship or you've endured a loss that we move from just receiving the comfort from our Heavenly Father that, that, that is wonderful, again, as that is. That we move on to the next step, which is actually being able to look to our Heavenly Father and say, God, I didn't understand it. I didn't even like you when I was going through this. I mean, if we're being honest. But thank you. Thank you for bringing me through that. Thank you for allowing me to endure that. And thank you now for giving me the opportunity to minister and to love people that are going through the exact same thing. That's pretty mature stuff, folks. And it's not easy. But looking back, you can sometimes connect the dots. You can say, okay. Even when I didn't feel him. Even when I didn't see his hand in my life. Even when I was mad at him, he was right there. 
Thirdly, getting there takes a lot of faith. That's kind of our third point. God comforts so that we might trust Him a little bit more. I like that old song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Paul recounts some very difficult times and things that he's been through. And he says something that seems a little bit contrary to what many people believe. Contrary to a lot of the memes floating around social media. And he says, church, we were completely overwhelmed. And that word is often translated uh, as just being heavy. It was so heavy. We were crushed by what we were going through. We were, we were pressed and just, just totally overwhelmed with everything that was going on in our lives at this moment. And maybe you can relate to that this morning, right? Maybe you're going through something or have gone through something where it's just crushing. It's just too much to bear. And here's what Paul says. It goes against the grain. He says, we're overwhelmed. We're beyond our strength. And that goes against what we know, right? Because, and what we've heard, because we always say this. What do we say? Well, God will never give us more than we can handle. Really? I was overwhelmed, he says. But he gives a very mature understanding. Because I think Paul would beg to differ with that he says folks we got to the point that we weren't even so we, so sure we were going to survive we couldn't bear what we were going through I could not physically endure this I could not spiritually endure the stress of dealing with the church as Paul says and then he says why God would allow these things he says so that we would not trust in ourselves but we would trust in the God that raises people from the dead our trust and our hope in God our Father, folks, transcends any circumstance. And I know there's some bad circumstances, but our hope transcends any circumstance that you will endure in this life. It transcends the pain that's caused by death itself. When you lose that dear loved one and it hurts, I know it hurts. But it's this hope that says one day Jesus is going to come back. And when he does, the dead in Christ are going to rise up out of their graves. And, and, and even if I die, one day I'll get to live again. And so God does allow us to endure more than we ourselves can handle for the sole purpose that we don't rely on ourselves. That we can rely on him and trust him. Trust the one who can do above and beyond all that we ask or think, Paul says. The 1951 Southern Baptist Convention was in San Francisco, California. A man by the name of M.T. Rankin got up during the convention to lead a special prayer of thanksgiving for a life that had been lost. And we had a missionary by the name of William Wallace. What a, what a cool name, right, to be a missionary named William Wallace, if you know your Scottish history. But William Wallace had been martyred on the mission field, and we think, man, what a tragedy, what a loss to have this, this great man of God's, his life cut short because someone didn't like what he was doing and preaching. And so this man goes to offer a prayer of thanksgiving, and his prayer reflects the kind of trust that we're supposed to have in the Lord regardless of the situation that we're in. And in his prayer, he said this, he said, God is too wise to make a mistake, and he's too good to do evil. 
Even though this evil thing happened and someone murdered this man, it wasn't God that did it. God is wise enough to see through this evil act and actually use it for good. And when you have a faith that is that deeply rooted in the character of God, knowing that He is good, it allows you to get through these things and you trust that this Father of mercies, this God of all comfort, He's with me. And He's good. Lastly, God comforts that we may have hope. Paul says in verse 10, says He has delivered us and He will deliver us. In other words, Paul's saying, I believe God did it once and I'm pretty sure He can do it again if He wants to. Right? Because He's trustworthy, because He's good, because He's wise. And Paul says, we've placed our hope in Him and in the fact that, the, the fact that He will deliver us again, that, that even if the very worst happens in life, even if our lives are taken away from us, Paul's, Paul's thinking this. You know, he's prepared to face death because he knows that even if I, if I die, just as Jesus said, yet shall I live. Death's not the end for me. And I think sometimes it's hard to see what there is to be hopeful for. How many has been, let's be honest, how many has been there when you're in the middle of this, this storm of life, you're in the middle of this situation, and you just, what am I even looking forward to tomorrow? Because you're surrounded by your hurt. You're in the middle of this mess. You're just blinded. You can't even see through the clouds. And that's kind of where one man found himself. He was in a deep recurring battle of depression, in depression, out of depression. And he got on a low point in life. And one day his dear friend comes by to check on him. And this friend kind of knew his buddy. He knew the best way to lift him out of this depression was to get him writing a song. And so they sit down and begin to talk and he asks the depressed man, he says, well, buddy, just what's wrong this time? It's always something. What's wrong this time? And Joseph T. Webster said, uh, it'll be all right by and by. And that got his buddy thinking. And together they sit down and they write some words. He pulls out a fiddle and they start writing some music. The gloom and doom kind of leaves his face. His spirits are uplifted and he writes these words. He says, there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. To our bountiful Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love and the blessings that hallow our days. And you may recognize the course which says what? In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Wherever you are this morning, if you're in the darkest moment of your life, there is something to look forward to. It may be in the sweet by and by, but I can guarantee you, as Apostle Paul would say, that is so much greater than anything you will ever find in this life. If you ask a Christian about their hope, a Christian who has real hope, they should describe for you a hope that goes beyond this life. It's not a hope in, in, in any man. It's not a hope in this world. It's not a hope in, in themselves. But our hope, church, is a living hope. Our hope is a person. 
It's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ and it's His Father, the Father of mercies and all comfort. And so the big takeaway this morning is if you're struggling today, I want you to know you can have peace and you can have comfort even in the middle of whatever mess you may find yourself in. And, and, and I want you to know that if you haven't seen God working in your life, He was there. When you thought you were sitting there alone, crying those tears, your Heavenly Father was there, wiping them away from your eyes. And all He desires for you this morning, because He's still here, is to have a relationship with you or have an even closer relationship with you today. And if you don't have hope this morning, I want you to know that you will find that hope and that peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. You stand with us as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning, God, I know that there's a lot of folks that just hurt. God, we thank you for life this precious gift that you've given us. But God, sometimes life hurts. People hurt us. The church hurts us. We do things to hurt ourselves. We think things that hurt our minds and our hearts. God, some people, even in this room, have had to endure things in life that people just shouldn't have to endure. But Lord, it's my prayer this morning that we couldn't just move past it or get over it. But God, in the middle of whatever it is, we could look to our Heavenly Father and with a thankful heart say, it is well. Whatever it is, God, I, I know that you've brought me here for a reason. I know that this pain is producing something in me or through me. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's for somebody else. But I know, Father, that you, my good Father, my perfect Father, are working all things together for my good. God, give us that kind of faith this morning. And Lord, most of all, if there's someone here that does not know Jesus, Lord, I pray the day they'd be saved. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville. Or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.